I'm Hillary. And I'm Clinton. And this is Black Atlantic. Special edition. Recap episode of season one. one. So welcome to the season recap. I also wanted to pause to say, oh look, we're side by side in one space. This is also why we get to do this recap episode and make it super special because we are together. 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 Yes, so I was putting my phone on silent so that I could say that after 30 episodes of uh, what we think and I think a good amount of our guests think was a really cool season one, we're going to wrap it up and focus on season two, um, coming back with, um, you know, a more improved websites, better viewership and better, uh, better I don't know, you said, we're gonna, season two is going to be the bomb. Yeah, but we're still going to be posting regularly on our social media channels. Uh, we're still, we're going to be getting blogs out there, more blogs than you've seen the past few months. And I'm really excited to get into it because we're going to do a re- We spent uh, the past couple of days doing a recap of everything, we, all the guests we've interviewed, what we talked about, the topic episodes. And it's been an exciting past seven months. Um, Hillary? What, what I would have added, but I'll add and say, is that I think like we wanted to make this more visually appealing. We also want more guests. We want to take the time to get feedback from the people who've been on the show before about what they liked so that we can continue to make content that people enjoy. If you're one of the many people who've started following towards the end of those 30 episodes, we really want to encourage you through this episode to go and listen to all the other ones. Um, you can hear how our intro has progressed, how our interview style has changed. Um, we try to be, I think, more engaging and dynamic now. And some of the earlier ones sound a bit more scripted, but that's how things progress and change. So yeah, we just want to highlight all of the cool guests that we've had, like 14 or 15, and then 18. I think we'll find out as we go. We're going to find out, but like so many and so many different topics. Like when we started this, it was Black History Month and there was the Freedom Convoy. And this weekend we saw still some of the Freedom Convoy come rolling through Toronto because that hasn't changed. Um, But yeah, a lot has like gone down this year. And uh, I just want to say, we are grateful and thankful that it seems that every week as we do this, we do have more and more people coming on board and listening. And Mm -hmm. we think there's a lot of great content from the beginning of our season and and early on that if you're really interested in what we do, you should go back and check that out as well. Yeah. Uh, Are we sharing screens now? Yeah. Let's go through the recap. We started off season one, Mm -hmm. episode one on February 1st of 2022, which was also the first day of Black History Month in Canada which was also, unfortunately, the time <laughs> of the uh, forever-to-be-remembered Flu Trucks Clan, or a.k.a. Oh <laughs> Freedom Convoy, yep. taking place. So, go ahead, Hillary. I mean, I think, I also want to acknowledge the fact that behind the scenes, we, like, put together this concept, this idea, this podcast, and I think a record number of days, and that episode for me will always be special because I'm so happy that we're doing this together, you and I. And I think the main part of that conversation, though, that I remember was the fact that, like, yet again, Black History Month had sort of been usurped and taken over by this, like, very racist movement. And it was really taking some of the shine away from something that Black people look forward to often, because unfortunately, while we're Black 365 days of the year, we're not celebrated 365 days of the year. Um, and what I remember of that time, and I don't know how much we talked about it in our conversation, but obviously the convoy had caused a lot of problems in Ottawa and working at community health centers. I was very aware of like some of the discrimination friends were facing, how some of the community health centers I worked for, how they weren't able to serve their communities, give people food, um, help them find shelter. And so 
it was really hard to, during my day-to-day life, hear the negative impacts of that while figuring out how we were going to make this podcast and then also figuring out how we were going to be engaging with Black History Month while there was this like very big, dark cloud looming. And at the time, like the pandemic was also in such a different place. Like it's been seven months and it does not feel like seven months have gone by doing this podcast. But seven months ago during that time, like we were still like lockdowns and masking and with um, Clinton visiting and friend was visiting right before was the first time I've gone unmasked like on transit. So it's also weird to think of those things as like a bookmark moment in the year. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Basically, in February, it was a time when around the world, uh, COVID mandates were being lifted and Canada was still one of the most stringent and strictest with those regulations. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it had already been said in Parliament and things like that, that Canada should very shortly start to move away from these things. However, a gentleman named Pat King, alongside some other people over on the West Coast, who was also the leader of a very racist, uh, white supremacist political party over there in the West Coast called Wexit or something like that, trying to model the Brexit model. He's the one that organized this convoy. Uh, And I'm prefacing all this because the convoy was problematic. It was disruptive. Uh, I don't know if they broke any laws, and and they probably did. Uh, They took their trucks down to Ottawa, the highway, to say, like, let's stop all these mandates. This is all ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, But for a lot of people of color, it was offset by the fact that it simply was led by a white supremacist, that we can sympathize with people who feel like their voices haven't been heard. Hello, people of color. Uh, But all the white Canadians who felt that their voices weren't being heard regarding not wanting to get vaccines and COVID mandates and stuff like that kind of shut down the country in a lot of ways. There were shipping stoppages. Trucks couldn't get across the border. We weren't getting goods and supplies. I think pharmacies were running out of medications. And this was not even due to the pandemic. It was due to the people revolting. Um, It was a really weird time. frustrating to say the least but yeah organized by a white supremacist and if it had have been not organized by a white supremacist i think people of color would have been able to get on board a lot better uh it's not a, this is not a slight against the people that went down the people that were involved in it but you know you just can't get we can't get behind an organization that mm-hmm. is so blatantly racist and so that was a big problem for people of color Absolutely. And that was our first episode. Uh, yeah. It had a great listenership, of course. Uh, you know, the convoy was well in the news. And when we talk about episode three, which I think is, we kind of talked about it just now, um, we're kind of going to go into another reason it was a problem for yes. people of color. Uh, episode two, we had our first guest who was an amazing individual and yeah. also the gentleman who helped us come up with the name for our podcast. Yeah, Greg Frankson, who um, wrote in and edited the Africanthology, um, who we've continued to reference several times um, in our Emancipation Day episode. He's the one who brought me to Whitbeat for my first emceeing gig um, of around the book. Um, and yeah, he definitely helped us. He's the one who coined Black Atlantic. And so that is now <laughs> who we are. Um, and yeah, the, in the African anthology, uh, Tondoy McCarthy and Gray, Gary Weeks are both featured. And then we've, uh, we've had Gary on and so we'll talk about him a bit more. Uh, Tondoy we had spoken to in other endeavors and places, um, had the privilege of interviewing his mom for CBC in the past. Um, but we've yet to have him on our show proper, but an, also an amazing poet, um, from Fredericton. Right? Yep. I mean, Gary from Fredericton. Yep. I always confuse Fredericton and St. John. I'm so sorry. I've never really spent time in either place. Ooh, we're going to get some unfollows today. Sorry. 
I can feel them, but I don't think that they're the same. I just, I digress. Um, First guest, um, and I mean, it was important to have him as a first guest because of the fact that he helped us coin that phrase. And like we, I personally appreciated what African anthology was ever able to do, put together so many literary influences from across our whole country, including um, George Eliot Clark, of course. Oh, um, the legend. The legend, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, but put all these amazing people in a book to tell the story of what it means to be Black currently in 2022. And some of it did have the framing of the pandemic or of the past or immigration. And there's so many um, different avenues. And having, because of the Emancipation Day event I participated in, having now met two of the other authors in it, Still would encourage so many people to go check it out. I think it's just africanthology.com or .org now um, where you can buy the book, but definitely a worthy read for anyone who's just trying to explore or understand their Blackness or good allyship. It was a very good episode. Greg's a funny guy. He brought me for my first uh, Jamaican patty. Yes, yes, and you loved it. And yes. I've been trying to shove Jamaican food down Hillary's throat all week. And I haven't been able to get her to eat all the Jamaican food that we've been eating all week. Because I got to say, during these five days in Toronto, I've probably had Jamaican food about five times. I've been um, for Soxtail right with you. That's true. That's week. true. Yeah. Uh, Hillary covered a lot of it with Greg. But all I'm going to say is he's a, an amazing individual, charismatic personality. Uh, the book Africanthology is an amazingly unapologetic a compilation of poets and stories from across Canada, just uh, not holding any punches, like telling their honest, raw truths to the public without any fear. Uh, and we suggest you check out the website and pick it up. Uh, it's well worth a read. You'd be very inspired and motivated and moved by the passion in uh, in these stories. So again, Greg was the editor and contributor to it. He's got a really interesting history himself. We recommend you go back. And while you're listening, like uh, go to blacklanic.ca. Um, Follow us on our different streaming platforms, social media sites, click subscribe, sign up to the email list so you know when new episodes drop for season two. And yeah, let's move on to episode three. Episode three, which I think is more of the convoy vibes, right? Yeah, exactly. Episode three <laughs> was, we went back to the convoy uh, situation because we were getting to be through uh february of 2022 which is you know to people listening you should know this black history month however uh we found that this year black history month was mm -hmm. completely overshadowed by this effing convoy um Black February is the shortest month of the year. And, you know, we, Hillary and I are always learning stuff on the show. We always used to complain, like, why did they give us the shortest month of the year? Now we know that the person, the Black person that founded <laughs> Black History Month chose that month because yes. of some of his mentors and his own birthday. Like, people, he chose it. But still, uh, <laughs> this is the one month of the year where the media actually pays any degree of attention to Black issues. And we found that in February of 2022... There was no coverage. The people's stories were not being heard. Spotlights were not being done. There was not a great focus on Black Canadians because all the focus was on the convoy. And it felt really shitty and really unfair. And uh, we just talked about how like, it like, kind of kiboshed and this racist leader took over Black History Month on top of doing his convoy that was pointless because I will say the mandates were about to be dropped anyways and everyone had mm. already announced this. So this was just him trying to gain political favor in the West Coast. Absolutely. The other thing we talked about too, in terms of the title Black Lit Month, was the fact that we're like right. we're continuing to try to educate and move away from only talking about Black traumas 
black sadness, grief, slavery, and start talking more about innovators, yeah. creators. And then we talked about the idea of why party, black lit month, like, black history month. It should be black. Ooh. So we are petitioning for <laughs> next year. We're going to start the uh, change.org, maybe starting in the fall. Uh, to change Black History Month to Black Lit Month. I don't yeah. think it'll, it'll, I want to see how many well, subscribers we could get. But, uh, we could just make it the name of the pod. Like we could do like a Black Lantic Black Lit Month special for like the four weeks of February and see what amazingness <laughs> we can come up with. And we'll like, see, we'll see. What we can get people to do. But yeah, we're, I think both just very aware that Black History Month is often we get asked to do a lot of work. We are have a spotlight on us for that one month, and it's actually very draining. To but we appreciate the opportunities, but if you could spread them throughout the whole calendar, it might be beneficial to our sleep cycles. But also the fact that, like, I I know that Black history is Canadian history, and Black, you also know that 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 and the fact that, like, I I mean, I took the opportunity with CBC to highlight why talking about Black History Month sometimes can be traumatic by interviewing Stacey Darku because of the fact that we get asked a lot about just the sad stuff and then people talk about the N-word and then it's like, okay, go back to being Black and ignored for the other days of the year. And so that's why we want it to be lit. It's supposed to be a party. It should be like Caravana. It really should just be winter version Caravana where we're like twerking in snowsuits <laughs> about being Black in the streets. <laughs> Go catch me outside and get in a parka. Just like, hey, <laughs> let's go. That's, that's exactly what it should be. Yeah. Before we move, get into episode four and move away from Black History Month, reminded me, we also, during Black History Month of February 2022, uh, had the opportunity to interview very uh, influential people that we uh, we were able to do our CBC segments on the radio, mm -hmm. uh, in which I interviewed Canadian rapper 180, who became mm -hmm. the first New Brunswick uh, black New Brunswick musician in all of New Brunswick history yeah. to ever win any award in any music category, uh, which was kind of like a bittersweet victory because yeah. one, uh, he's, a, he's a great artist who deserves it. And <clears throat> that is, uh, he'll always go down as the first one to have done that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other question poses is why is he the first in 2022? Yeah. Like how, how is it like, I'm sorry, but black people in music are go like, hand in hand and how could it be that in 2022 is it because there's uh, no support for black music uh black musicians are not being reached out to or the organization themselves we're not reaching out to black mm -hmm. musicians we're black people uh, submitting their music and, and never winning the point is that we got to interview uh hip-hop artist 180 um he has a really interesting story and who did you interview i interviewed stacy darko right which i just mentioned but then didn't you also interview kasim dumbia the first black mayor and so it was the double first. Yeah, we both had two features. Thank you for that. Yeah, so you also had to interview Kissim Dumbia, first Black mayor ever, Mayor Supagon, at, at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I also just did an article about him for Buy Blacks. And because of some municipal reforming, he has to run again in November, even though it's only been one year. I so think he'll be... take it again. And we're going to, yeah. Kasim, you're going to have our full support for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then now I have to try to remember the second person that so I interviewed. Stacey Darku first. Well, you look it up. Thank you, Stacy. I yeah, I, um, she's a black therapist counselor, um, who we had spoken to before on a different show, and I really liked the idea of speaking about why Black History Month can be traumatizing and exhausting for black people because you're mining them of their trauma for a month, uh, especially when we talk so infrequently about 
black joy, black success, black innovators, black creators. And it just becomes about like slavery, underground railroad, how black people got here. And then a bunch of people being like, sorry that we're not educating you about black history, but we're also not going to change anything or do anything different. So that was a shame. The other person I interviewed was Gary Weeks. Um, and we we then later had him on the show. So I got to speak about him and to him several times of being a black photographer in these coast. I lost the page. No, you, you yes, you did. No, you didn't, because it's actually right. All right. So um for episode four, we interviewed yeah. Yeah. Bianca yeah. Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> I say it like that because she's just she's just so fancy and so fun and a lot of and energy. Admiration, yes. Yes, and I have had the pleasure of hanging out with her and meeting her um, because of her interest in visiting Toronto and a lot of the endeavors that she works for here. And who is she? She works, well, she's founded Black Collective Media, has helped... Um, co-founded. Co-founded Black Collective Media, but helped so, the Black Culture Society of... EI and BIPOC USHR for some of the black organizations that are in on it on PEI in the island, though she is an immigrant from the Dominican Republic. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So she has immigrated to Canada, done amazing work in Prince Edward Island, a mm-hmm. uh, very charismatic individual to mm-hmm. listen to. Um, she co-founded this organization. And then, like you said, she's uh, she's like, she does marketing. So she's marketing savvy uh, and really fun to talk to and be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes by Afro Latina XAF. Uh, on Instagram, I believe. Afro Latin X. I think she might yes. be migrating to Toronto, if I'm not incorrect. So. I believe that she is, though I don't want to spoil anyone else's stories or tell anyone else's life, but I think the goal is for her to be moving here, which is super exciting. Um, I know that she'll be visiting soon and doing some cool work. She always has really fun content, like very fun influencer content going on all the time. Um and she has a lot of work too for the queer community, the black queer community out on the island, um, which is should be duly noted. But great person. Um, and yeah, if you follow her Afro Latin X AF, um, if you follow her soon after this episode drops, you'll be able to follow along what she's doing for black women in TV for for TIFF, which is a very interesting uh little organization and endeavor. Recording. The next episode we did <laughs> was, I think, for me, just like a pile of like crap. But basically, the episode five is about Blaine Higgs's government saying that there was no mystery illness um, in terms of the weird symptoms that people were having that was causing memory loss and muscle ataxia that a lot of people felt was caused by something that the Irvings were putting in the water or nature or whatever. Um, the fact that they were lifting the rest of the mandates for the province in regards to COVID. And then also the fact that Manju Varma, Commissioner for Systemic Racism, um, was essentially saying that she did not have the time to go through and, um, answer individuals' complaints on racism and that that wouldn't be able to be in her report, which, I mean, fast forward. I mean, I wonder why, because uh, they took forever. They posted the job. They didn't hire anyone. They took three months to hire anyone, I believe. And when they finally did, which gave her a shorter deadline to do the work she needed to do. And uh, it was just ridiculous. If you want to hear more about this episode, any episode, maybe you should get out a pen and paper. Any episode you want to learn about, visit our website, blackatlantic.ca to click on it and, and find that content. Um, um, I also just want to say that, yeah. that this was um, this was a premonition for a later episode in which 
somebody ends up stepping down. And so this was just the precursor to realizing that like this report is shenanigans, except we knew that all along. For episode six, we are very happy (laughs) to have uh, Bronx born, um, New York raised, uh, New Brunswick immigrated, Alon McCall. Alon McCall is uh, a producer, drummer, audio engineer, um, and it's not in hip hop. So Alon McCall is a a very warm, loving individual who is very passionate about everything he does and who sort of helped to shatter stereotypes in New Brunswick because everyone who meets him naturally thinks he's a hip hop producer Mm -hmm. who loves rap because he's a six foot something, very tall black person. So it was really uh, insightful to have him on and talk about his passions and his love and what it was like to be a black kid growing up in the Bronx, not listening to hip-hop music and stuff like that so if you want to listen to an episode about someone who breaks stereotypes and challenges people's perceptions Mm -hmm. is what we're always trying to do on the show challenges people's perceptions of what it means to be black because it's undefinable uh tune into this show we also had a good conversation in there about um 180 being the first black person to get a music new brunswick award and sort of some of alon's thoughts on Mm -hmm. music nb Yes, they are some spicy thoughts. We've had a several. Well, we'll talk about the other guests too, but we've got a couple guests with spicy thoughts about music and beam. Yeah. So who you we know. think should can do better, and we hope that they, if they're listening to this, you know, take this with the proper grains of salt. They have shared some better. of our yeah. stuff before, and we're grateful to be on their radar because we both have a very big love of music. You mm-hmm. literally being a musician, me just being a listener of music. But yeah, music and B. Thank you. Love you. Keep having Black people as part of your awards, winning them. Yeah, well, we're not, like, we're saying thank you, man, but, like, let's also be clear. We're also saying do better, be more inclusive. Uh, You have reached out to us in the past to share your content and let uh, Black people know about opportunities to submit for awards and other things, memberships. So, um, this is not a hate and this is not a love. We're saying that uh, it is odd that this only the first black musician ever won. We may not have all the info there in 2022, but uh, yeah, do better. And we think you can. <laughs> Speaking of things that should be done better. Episode seven was about huh. the start of the Russian Ukraine war in which we then sort of uncovered statistics about how racist. I, this is one of my favorite covers. To be honest. <laughs> I- photo at a crypto event in the Elma combo yeah. you're like can you send me this photo now you know it goes on behind the scenes in our conversation sorry to interrupt you go on no just that we like had sort of learned about the racism of both of these places and i think i had at least expressed some concerns about a bunch of racist people immigrating here to flee the war at the same time happy that it seems just i mean we thought welcome lots of ukrainians and in doing so to reflect on that. I think that it has started to break down some barriers that were unfortunately there for all of the other people who've immigrated, like um, fast forwarding the ability to get a driver's license if you had one in Ukraine. And a lot of people are asking the right questions about why this is allowed for them and not allowed for other people of color who have immigrated. And I'm happy that this is happening so that we can highlight that these changes need to be made across the board this many months later. yeah. We don't want to watch. We don't need you to sit and watch the episode with us. Go watch it. We want you to yeah. watch it. Yeah. Um, Your so, thoughts. Well, the Ukraine war, similar to the Freedom Convoy, mm-hmm. through Trucks Clan thing, mm-hmm. um, kind of highlighted a lot of things uh, like that Hillary just mentioned. Like, why are refugees of 
European uh, countries being given different treatment, being able to have access to uh, driver's license, hair licenses easier, yeah. um, their degrees and certifications are able to convert over easier to Canadian status mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And be, to anyone who's ignorant, like, don't think that it's because their education is so much better than some of these other countries where refugees come from. Um, and the other thing it highlighted was, um, sorry, so like the people of the Freedom Convoy and how people of color had trouble getting behind that. Uh, and we do support Ukraine, but there was this outpouring of support for Ukraine that we didn't see for Syrian refugees. And we also started to learn about these Ukrainian people we were all crying out for about that that country does have a deep-seated history of a lot of racism, a lot of neo-Nazism. There were a lot of African students that were being threatened or threatened to be shot or killed and were not getting the same treatment as other people trying to flee the country. Mm, um, and then there was a history, yeah, there's like the for people of color uh, living here in a Western world and trying to, you know, be good Canadians and being like, we support Ukraine, get out of there, Russia. It's also like, okay, we're supporting y'all, but y'all aren't supporting black people. And I'm mm -hmm. not talking to everyone from Ukraine, but there is, uh, it actually turned out there was a larger percentage of people than I would have imagined. Uh, that were very racist against Africans and Black people in that country. Yeah. So if you want to hear the other side of the story um, regarding the Russia-Ukraine <laughs> conflict that is still going on six months yeah. later, surprisingly yeah. enough, because some people thought that was going to be done in a month, and it just shows how time flies. Yeah. Uh, tune it's into that. Getting increasingly. Yeah, things, things ain't going great for that. No. Oh, I joined... Uh, okay. For some reason, I thought... We're going to pull up the next episode. Oh, what was no. the next episode? The next episode, I believe, is with Alicia. No, we're getting there. I oh. think we had a back-to-back -to -back We did do back-to-back -to -back topic episode. All right. So this was a double the work, less journalistic representation. In this episode, we talked about there was a big outpouring of awareness being made, which led to, I think, Sandra Hannenbaum eventually, about the lack of Black representation in media. Uh, and it's because of a new report came out that sort of reinforced uh, sayings that Black people have been saying for generations, is that Black people need to do, and, and many people of uh, other cultures and even women, um, need to do twice as much of the work to get mm -hmm. even half of the recognition in society. We've always known this, but a study at that point in time had confirmed it uh, with data and stats to prove that, you know, Black people and everyone else can uh, do, in this report was Black people, um, they work harder and they don't get the recognition. That, that's a way, that's a form of systemic racism, um, keeping them behind and making them twice as exhausted, twice as work, twice as output, and still not getting the promotions and recognitions deserved. Which does lead to uh, Sandra Hannenbaum's twice as good media. Yeah. Because <laughs> of the twice. But yeah, I bro, we did that episode. This is why recaps are yeah. great. And uh, to any of our new listeners that have been following us, you know, the past five, ten episodes, go back. Go back and, and skim through these. You can find the teasers on our social media. Uh, we are going to make mm -hmm. them more easily accessible for people, like on Instagram and other places, where you can, maybe even on the website, where you can see clips from the episode and decide if you want to listen to it. Oh, just had an idea. And you said it out loud, and I like it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, this is a fun recap for us as well, yeah. to be honest. And yeah, we, we, we do them a lot, and then we just sort of forget what we've done. Well, this is recording. Don't really have that many thoughts about that specific episode, except that I think the other thing that we had talked about was I had surprised you with this news about like money that was offered to people who were going to be able to like re have ideas about the downtown core. Remember, I was like, there's this United Petty Pie Taylor had like this money thing for the Atlantic provinces to like revamp their downtown and have new events. And I'm realizing 
I never heard who got that money or whatever happened with that. That was all across Canada or just New Brunswick? Atlantic provinces. Well, maybe we'll look into that at some point. Yeah, a bunch. Of, and we, I think our main concern was... <laughs> recap, recap, where we do into the money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another big thing in journalism, I think, again, we've mentioned Sandra Hannebaum a lot, is that, you know, reporters are so pressed to just pump, 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 pump out content that important stories never do get followed up on. Um, just for a whole shtick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So for episode nine, we interviewed Alicia McManus. Uh, and uh, Alicia McManus is originally from St. John, New Brunswick, who grew up as a black, white passing individual and had a lot of unique uh, stories and experiences as a result of that. When you are um, a person with white passing skin in a room full of white people, but all your family is black, you are going to hear a lot of stuff that you the black people don't get don't hear when mm-hmm. they're in the room um so that, that was you can talk a bit more about it. i'll scroll down here yeah there's um, she has a lot of interest go ahead no no finish your sentence nothing that's just mm-hmm. one aspect of the story so that is who she is uh but then in the episode we uncovered a lot about her some of her history she's a lifestyling consultancy company you now co-host a podcast her a podcast with her called mocktails and melanin which is about sober life it's more so about the sober journey and the fact that it might not always be fully sober hosted by people of color, but our guests have not always been people of color. I don't mean guests, but I mean, you you don't have guests every week, do you? Uh, every other week, yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's so the goal. Heard, but we're there, on were, hi- there were conversations about being a person we're of on color. Hiatus. What I listened to. We're on hiatus at the moment. We're actually going to be making our content today. When, when I'm recording this is when we're going to start getting back on track. But it was a really insightful episode. Uh, we won't drop the goodies here, but I mean, if you want to, the things that she has heard, uh, really shocking things, especially around the time of George Floyd's murder, things she's heard police officers say in rooms where they thought they were safe from black ears and things like that. Like, it, this White. is a shocking episode if you not enjoy, but if you want some shock value here. This was this will be one to, to go check out episode nine. Yeah, it, it white parents of her friends making comments of who should date who in front of her, stuff like that. Just very surprisingly racist things for someone who's only like 10 years older than me in the same location. And of course, now she's in red deer. So it's not better out there. Yes. <laughs> Definitely not better out there. Sorry, Alberta, but you are known as being... The, New Brunswick is a, is a close second, but you are known as being the most racist province in Canada. Sorry about it. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Then... Episode 10. Ooh, fun. Clint and I finally got to be together after a whole pandemonium, except it was still pandemicking. Um, But yeah, I got to go home um, and visit... New Brunswick and we got to finally record at CHMA studio in person who we always want to thank for airing our stuff every Sunday 8 p.m Atlantic on the radio um but yeah I got got to finally go the goal of the trip was to be able to see my mom and then is that the trip where I caught COVID oh (laughs) they showed up and I had COVID or is that the one after that Good question. No, that's that who showed up and they just never opened the nursing home. So we recorded In, that day. Yeah, you had to see your mom a window. Through a window. Which sucked because COVID was so bad. Yeah. But <laughs> in this episode, we 
talked about um, in 2021, hate cr- hate crime reports uh, skyrocketed mm-hmm. uh, across the country by, I believe, a shocking number, seventy <clears throat> percent in 2020. Um, I don't know if that meant that hate crimes increased uh, after the Trump era. Uh, I don't know if after George Floyd murder, uh, more and more Canadians felt empowered and confident uh, on how to come yeah. forward and report a hate crime, but those numbers were shocking. Um, <clears throat> if you ever have been a victim of a hate crime and you want to report that, you can go on Facebook and visit a, a website, a page called the Human Voice Foundation, in which the host there does lay out a complete episode and video about how to report hate crimes if you've been a victim of one. We also talked about Prince William and Princess Kate. <laughs> That horrible photo. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, I like, wish we had it. Uh, they're like, like <laughs> shaking the hands of Jamaican kids through a wire fence, and it just screams colonizer. <clears throat> yeah, the PR people, the like bad bad. media photo up. Yeah, basically the royalty, royal family, who yeah. historically are very responsible for uh, colonialism, um, having a bunch of black kids hiding like behind like fences trying to touch these these divine people uh so that didn't go well and uh another thing we didn't follow up on there was a new awards show coming to toronto uh, I, th- I guess it was a black excellence awards show uh, i don't know what happened with that i'm trying to look it up now i'm like what happened to this but again it was very fun to be in person at the chma facilities yeah. in sackville at mount allison university We're really grateful for them they've um they plan to help us with amazing things in the future uh especially during our hiatus our hiatus our in be- what, do you, what do you call in between a season Anyways, uh, a hiatus. during the time we are taking in between season one and season two. Um, yeah, and it's going to be great. Yeah. I don't think you want to look at The Legacy up. Awards? Was it this? I don't it's know. Air, it's supposed to air in September, so we'll follow up when that airs. All right. So uh, the man, the we legend. are primarily an Atlantic-based organization, but, you know, uh, Hillary lives in Ontario, and a lot of Ontario inns uh, kind of feel that Ontario is part of the East Coast as well. That probably stems from the idea that the East Coast of America is directly under Ontario. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of East Canada. It's mm-hmm. definitely not considered central like the prairie provinces, but all this to be all this to say that once in a while, uh, you're going to be hearing interviews from guests from Ontario and Quebec and stuff like that. Like Logic. Um, who, I mean, we also want to make sure that the guests do tie in as often as they can to something related to the East Coast. And so I had learned through meeting Logic through other business people and friends that he had done a very moving and powerful documentary on Africville when he had finally heard about it. Um, after being moved to start the Stolen from Africa brand, which I think is going to be celebrating like its 15th year next year. Um, so they have merch and clothes, but have started sort of a movement through the Toronto District School Board and other avenues to educate people on Black histories as an extracurricular um, or as like a program that's added on to the schools without it being actual part, actually part of the curriculum. Um, and in creating that, he connected with some people and was able to go to Nova Scotia and see Africville and make a documentary about it. And now homie's got some very cool friends like Maestro Fresh West and Drake and Julie Black. And he's a very fun, very lovely person who happy to, um, still be connected within the city and run into who makes like really, really great projects and a lot of good mental health supports. He also has like four podcasts. He's trying to be like me. Uh, I'm trying to be like him. Um, but so definitely go check him out and check out this episode um, to learn more about Neil Logic Donaldson, rapper, creator, 
connoisseur. I just had a throwback to how we met Neil, and it was through your friend Megan, which was interesting, which has led to the first episode of how we became Black Atlantic. Uh, Hillary and I used to be in a previous podcast together. Um, <laughs> and now we we'll do Black that for Lantern. We'll a future episode, a future episode of why we left the previous organization we were with. It was not due to journalistic differences, differences of opinion on how the show should be done. Uh, something really, really, really horrible and bad happened to us. And uh, I don't know if we're ready to talk about that today, but we will one day. And uh, yeah. And thanks to Megan now we have, and Gre- thanks to Megan, we have Black Atlantic. And thanks to Greg, we are named Black Atlantic. Yeah. And, and we know Logic. We so. now know Logic who also works with Megan on other endeavors. It's all very connected. The world is small. And I will say, I, I'm sorry to name drop here, but Maestro, Maestro Fresh West, Maestro, I don't know what happened mm-hmm. when you were, you were supposed to do the CBC episode with us. You said yes, we never heard from you again. Reach out to us. You're, you're, you're a Canadian legend, rap icon, godfather of Canadian hip-hop. We'd love to have you on the show for season two. Uh, I don't think you're going to hear this message directly in this episode. I think that we need to reach out to him. I'm going to drop him another line and be like, what happened, bro? Yeah, because yeah. Mr. Fresh is a staple. Uh, you just text Logic and be like, yo, where's your boy? <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do that. Perfect. Yeah. I'm not trying to, I'm just saying, Maestro, like, we want you on the show still, all right? And so this was a fun episode. Episode 12 <laughs> was the roast of Justin Trudeau and Kanye West. So a lot of the racist, ignorant people that troll our page, um, for some reason, think that we're like diehard liberals that are like, uh puppets and pawns controlled like almost like we're robots that are just pushing this um uh, liberal message of what is it like the critical critical race theory, race theory bullshit race. and all, all the things that um ignorant people think about this whole like the anti-racism and hate groups or the racist groups that try to deny racism and stuff like that um so anyways, I I really like putting out this episode because we're making fun of Justin Trudeau. Uh, Justin Trudeau was roasted by the world uh, in a summit uh, that took place where different leaders or representatives of different countries were just lambasting him. They were really criticizing him for what he did during the Freedom Convoy. And that was to freeze protesters' assets, uh, freeze the assets, bank accounts, and funds of citizens who were supporting the convoy. Now, I believe there might have been different reasons for that. I don't like basically when a government organization starts overstepping their boundaries and liberals, it's all, it's not as bad as attacking your own citizens, like uh, when China attacked its own citizens in Tiananmen Square, mm-hmm. uh, and when, you know, riot police would attack its own citizens for protesting. Um, it's not as bad as that. But when you're you're overstepping your, I think, your governmental authorities, and it's really a scary precedent for what can happen in the future. People should have the right to disagree, to protest. Part of living in a democratic society means that we can speak out against things that we don't agree with without without fear of oppression. And when you go and you want everyone to go home, so you freeze their bank accounts and basically take their money that we are supposed to mm-hmm. have safely trusted in a bank and not under our mattress and not give us access to it. I think you're overstepping boundaries. So the rest of the world really roasted Justin Trudeau for that. There were video clips on the episode that were hilarious. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's a reminder, um, blacklanic.ca. If any of these episodes interest you, go back and take a listen because 
I, I hate this. It's our work, but I, I'm really proud of the work we put out. We also roasted Kanye West because... I was finally able to explain to you the chokehold that the Kim Kardashian, the Kardashians have on the very world. confusing to me, yeah. But then also how they have exploited Black men while simultaneously talking about how Kanye West's antics um, were harmful towards, like, and be sort of having some violence against women rhetoric in terms of trying to like kill Skeet Pete and hold Kim hostage. And now fast forward this many months and they've broken up. And so what was it all really for? What was it for? Anyway. What was it for, Kanye? What was it for, Pete? <laughs> well, I know what it was for for Pete. I know what it was for for Kim. True that, true that. True that. True that. Okay. Um, so that was it. Episode 13. I don't think we need to say much about this. This is a kind of listen to this episode. Where are you really from? <laughs> <laughs> episode 13 was a very well listened to episode uh, because it's a very popular topic and like mm-hmm. hair will continue to be. Uh, it was about the but where are you really from question and the reality that a lot of the time when people of color get asked where they are from, the first answer is unacceptable to many mm-hmm. white Canadians. And the concept that their dark melanin may have been in this country for hundreds of years, if not decades, doesn't seem to compute. Because when you say you're from Moncton or you're from Toronto or you're from Calgary, that's never satisfactory. The question always becomes, no, but where are you really from? Where are your parents from? Which is really just Listen code to the episode. For, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just code for why are you black? And I feel feel like there was a blog that accompanied this, maybe by you. Definitely, I think the blog was beforehand. So yeah, check out our blogs as well. Yeah, but um, we also in this episode give lots of tips and tidbits for white people because it's okay to be curious about what where people are from. But we give tips and information on the proper way to eventually get that information I'll, I'll leave it at that i'll leave it at that check it out uh episode 14 was uh a very interesting person i met while i was doing an entrepreneurship panel with tribe network based in yeah. halifax new brunswick um where i was a panelist and just helping out okay two seconds tribe network is a <laughs> not-for-profit that is helping black entrepreneurs uh, fulfill their dreams here in Canada uh, through mentorship, funding, and stuff like that. I met Demi Lola, who's doing really amazing things that are similar and on par to what we are doing. Um, she's a Nigerian immigrant who immigrated to New Brunswick, has lived in all the major cities in New Brunswick, and she wants to do what we're doing, and she does do what we're doing. She amplifies Black voices through stories. Um, it was a really interesting episode because uh, we learned a lot more about Nigeria, and she's just a really warm, amazing person who we, we can't drop her news still. Uh, but there's really cool things yeah. in, in, the, in the works for her as well. She also was one of the many people who's highlighted that, like, I didn't realize I was black till I got here. Mm. Um, another one of the people who felt that and also has had been told by someone who she was trying to help cross the street, essentially, like, why are you coming here for better opportunities type of rhetoric and that sort of bizarro, like, why are you coming here for um, better jobs? Like, why can't you sort of stay where you are? Energy, which we hate. That's not, that's racist. So anyway, a wonderful episode. Check out that episode. Uh, I don't have an image for this one. A little website tweak that we have to fix. 
But episode 15 was about the arrest of Daniel Barr, uh, a person who worked for a government-funded agency in Moncton, New Brunswick, who frauded many people uh, out of their money, as well as the organization itself, who has a really bad history with uh, sexual assault, mm-hmm. as well as you know non-equal treatment to people of color. Check that out. Uh, we also talked about the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix. That was... I'll let you talk about that, Hillary. Well, just we talked about the fact that uh, like some man jumped on stage and hit him after this queer special had occurred, citing something along the lines of not helping. <laughs> Sorry, my cat just gave the cutest yawn. Um, citing something about like, you didn't help my grandmother where she lived or something like that. And then I mentioned the fact that like, he was doing some weird things about neighborhood infrastructure where he had put a lot of investment. But yeah, basically... Yeah, after he had been, yeah, slapped in the face. This was after Will Smith and Chris Rock's slap. So a lot of Black people were getting slapped during this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's like a lot of like fisticuffs between Black people at this juncture of the year. And you know what? We didn't even really focus. First of all, uh, there's Black Girl Fitness Center in Nova Scotia, yes. an amazing uh, fitness organization, uh, a woman making safe spaces for, for women of color to exercise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we you know one thing we didn't cover, and I think it was partly intentional, you wrote a blog about it, which was amazing, by the way. Um, but we didn't do a podcast episode about the Chris Rock, Will Smith thing. And I think we just felt that there was just so much about it in the media that it was just I didn't we didn't want to accentuate the black on black violence and the narratives but Hillary's blog from a woman's perspective was really insightful Uh, I think it was I I'd like to think that my blog gave a different perspective because I think a lot of what I was reading was women being like if my man isn't going to defend me like that and as someone who's a survivor of domestic violence I don't think men should punch men over alopecia I just don't. I think that Jada should have stood up for herself if that was a real situation. And I do believe that it seemed like there was more mental health issues going on in the background. Uh, more recently, Will Smith has apologized, but he hasn't said this phrase, I'm sorry, Chris. It's more like, I'm sorry that I that this happened. It just sounds more like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be allowed at the Academy for a decade. Um, so yeah, check out my blog about that. I just... It was a weird time. And yeah. we had more important and better things to say. It was just such a media debacle. Like, as soon as there's black on black violence, the, the, the world is all over it for weeks, right? Of and, uh, whereas there's that, that's problematic in itself. Yes. Um, episode 16. We finally got to have Gary Weeks on, who, as I mentioned earlier, we interviewed for CBC. Gary Weeks, another one of the first, the first black photographer to be featured at the Beaverbrook Gallery in Fredericton. Um, he is actually from England uh, and immigrated over to Canada, I believe for, for, for love, like most people who come to New Brunswick. Um, but then love yeah. family or work. So yeah, love family or work. Um, so yeah, he's does photography there. He's done the cover for African anthology, Uh, wonderful guy, super sweet. I think after the episode of him and I stayed on and talked for like an hour. He's just a wonderful person doing a lot of great work out there. Um, and had his stuff at the gallery at the same time as our friend of the show, Meredith Batt. Um, but yeah, great conversation all around about photography, how his blackness encourages his work, what he looks for, what his inspirations are. So go back and listen to that episode and then go check out Gary's work. It's sick. 
his upbringing in London and stuff mm-hmm. like that in comparison mm-hmm. to over here in Canada and in the States. A lot of our guests have had a lot of interesting comparisons from living in the States and Canada and other countries as well, just to throw that in there. And yeah. uh, he's just a really warm guy. If you just want to watch an episode that you know puts a smile on your face just from just listening to it, like, yeah. I think it was a really... Uh, like you said, you stayed on and talked to him for an hour afterwards because yeah. he was so conversational. That uh, And we've since had another photographer on. So you could also see how they both do their works differently and compare them. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's interesting to have two people with the same medium of work on the same podcast. So other, yes. Uh, other big news during our seven months of doing this, uh, you know, this episode mm-hmm. 17th, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Uh, the main feature of this was uh, something that in the media did not get anywhere near as much attention as Chris uh, Rock and Will Smith mm-hmm. was the mass shooting in Buffalo mm-hmm. in which a radicalized uh, white supremacist. Um, 18 year old? 18 year old, I believe. Yeah. Um was so influenced by the negative perceptions of what he was taught by hateful people Mm -hmm. that he spent months uh, planning meticulously, scouting out an area, and then carrying out a violent mass shooting attack against a number of Black people in a supermarket in Buffalo. Painful time in history. And again, just as we recap over... I can't believe we've been doing this for seven months already. Um, A really big issue that sparked conversation uh, again in Canada and Am- America about these kinds of issues uh, we know nothing's going to change in America anytime soon but uh it's conversation around that and also the fact that yet again this is another person who was being painted in um a kind light through the media like focusing on mm-hmm. I think video games and what had influenced him and the fact that he was like a, a younger person and not just being like this is a white terrorist like yeah a lot of the language is still very kind and gentle around white boys and men who perform and do these atrocities um and so i know that we had talked about that as well also it highlighted in america um the republicans ridiculous lines of defenses about how oh the problem oh that was a school shooting sorry there were also there was also a school shooting instead of gun control they were talking about oh schools should only have one entrance or oh, security yeah. guards, or this, that, or the other. Like oh, everything yeah. except for gun control. But at the same time, it led Canada to tighten its gun control, um, mm-hmm. whereas America stayed the same. We also highlighted positive events like um, um, funding in, I believe, Nova Scotia for young the black, uh, to encourage STEM programs and yes, stuff like that. Uh, Prince Charles and Camilla visiting Canada, which yeah. is not as bad of a photo op as uh, Charles and Kate. Certainly not Jamaica. as bad of a photo op. And I think was like both of those visits seem to just be slowly working its way towards the Pope coming here, which yeah. we did we talk about that? Uh, I think we did at some point, but the Justin Burke thing, uh, intertwined with something, some Nova Scotia news at that time was that there was in Nova Scotia, there was a clubhouse that was called the Redneck Redneck Hangout that had a picture of a noose, um, which we all know was probably depicting, uh, the encouragement of Mm -hmm. killing black people. Uh, some people might think things like this are a joke or not as dangerous, but uh, it really is because it shows that this kind of radicalization and anyone listening to this now is probably well aware of the Lacadie Novelle um, racist caricature uh, of Muslim people um, that was posted recently. You can easily think this stuff is innocent, but, you know, the proper combination of these things over the proper period of time are the things that lead to 
radicalized young people taking out um, mass acts of violence against people of color. There is a blog so. about that that Clinton wrote as well about the L'Acadie Nouvelle thing. You also mentioned very briefly Justin Burke, but we weren't talking about him. I'm so sorry. I just But we Burke. did end up talking Obviously, about him in another about episode. Justin Burke. I was talking about this. I don't know what the kid's name is. I don't. We he's, don't he's not important to us. Yeah, the, I was talking about the 18-year-old that murdered meticulously yeah. a, a number of black people, people in, a, in a supermarket in Buffalo. But we yeah. do have it. We will talk about Justin Burke later because we did talk about his, um, the like, lo- not loosening of oh, parole, yes, but he yes. does come up. So you're not far off. Okay. He's just not yet. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for the recap <laughs> and then we'll talk about him too. I hope you're still with us, but uh, if you haven't heard, heard all, all 30 of our episodes, this is a good way to pick and choose some things you might want to see Absolutely. and stuff like that. Really interesting guest that I think Hillary has gotten really close to in the past months as well, and she's doing amazing things that we really support. Had her on twice. Yeah, we did have her on twice. Sandra Hannebaum, um, journalist who actually like reached out to us and several people about a good way to go about curating black media discussed why there was a lack of black media has a really great like knowledge understanding and history about media black media um some good like practices around journalism and journalism as a black person um and we had them on in an episode where i happened to be outside of an event um so i'm sitting outside during that episode but we got to speak with sandra for quite a long time about twice as good media um 2xg dot com um to learn more about their their work um and what they do and yeah a lot of the journalism that they try to do with twice as good media is going back to those stories and figuring out what happened not just throwing out headlines and then never circling back being mindful of language around race um and i know what they're posting right now is around the halifax national black summit that happened which was why um, we had Sandra on a second time to talk about Emancipation Day and that event. Um, and she's sort of doing a breakdown of all of those days um, in a more robust way if you sign up to that newsletter. So check them out. Check out that episode. All good times. There was also some really insightful parallels between her upbringing in both Maryland and Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And another thing I really like about her website is that she not only writes her own articles and shares and curates other articles from other websites, is that she spends a lot of time reading the articles. So for those of you who don't necessarily have the time to just sit down and read articles, you can go to 2xg.ca and you can listen to her articles and listen to other articles yeah. regarding um, the issues that we talk about. Uh, and it's nice. She's got a great journalistic voice. The way she reads mm-hmm. is very calming. And I uh, I'm starting, I, I'm not going to say that she spearheaded this, but I, I'm starting to see more and more websites across the web where you can read or listen to the article. Yeah. Uh, but her her site was the first place I, I saw that. And I've listened to many articles because I can go about my day more easily. Uh, I could be cooking or cleaning or doing other work and, and still getting the news. So if that kind of thing interests you, go to 2xg.ca and subscribe to their mailing list. And then you will get a notification anytime. I don't know where I am. That's okay. Any time that she posts something new. And you can do the same thing on blacklanic.ca. If you yeah. if you click the subscribe button, anytime you drop a new blog or a new podcast episode for season two, you're going to get notified. All right. So then... Two years without Floyd. Two years since the murder of George Floyd. Um, And we sort of just tried to discuss, like, are we at a better place? Uh, the news was so... At the time of his murder, there was so much work being done to amplify Black voices, to give Black people money, to share their experiences and their stories, and so many marches. And we tried to look back and see, like, okay, 
2022 now, are, are we at a better place? Did any of that money go anywhere or do anything? I think our consensus was not really, not really. Yeah, if you want the full insight, go to listen to the episode because we yeah. talked about it a lot. This is a monumental period in history, two mm-hmm. years since the death of George Floyd. I, I wrote a blog about that as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Hillary basically said it. But a lot changed, a bit mm-hmm. changed. The change, things changed for the better in some areas, not really others. But for the details, go on to that. Yeah. This episode was also the mark in the media of the whole monkeypox uh, pandemic. Monkeypox has been around in Africa for years. Hundreds. And that didn't hit the news. Mm-hmm. But now that it started spreading to Western and European countries, mm-hmm. now it's really important. Except, so, and then, problematic. fast forward, and now it's primarily in the gay community. And that's having some connotations. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So right now, if you wanted to get a smallpox vaccine, you have to be either queer, a man sleeping with a man, or a trans woman. And like I was looking at doing it for, this is the first year hearing I'm going to New York Fashion Week. Um, and <laughs> we were looking at getting vaccinated because of that. And I like, I don't qualify. And I was like, but I make out with women. <laughs> what do you would you need me to prove it to you while I'm in line? Anyway, oh, we're trying to figure that out. But we talked about that. And as Clinton accidentally um segued to earlier, we did end up speaking about Justin Burke. Basically, the Supreme Court of Canada uh kind of rewrote the constitution in a way that is good and possibly bad, but it was re- because of the man that killed people in a mosque shooting basically um they decided that you cannot in canada give a person more than one life sentence on top of each other like back to back to back so life sentence 25 years because you only got one life and because that prohibits the possibility whatsoever of rehabilitation and introduction into society so the supreme court had changed that which means that new brunswick cop killer justin burke who you know in his mind he had a reason he shouldn't have killed police officers but in his mind he thought he had he had a reason at the time because his friend was murdered by police officers uh which happens in black communities quite often but yeah so now he's going to be eligible for parole that is obviously very painful and very triggering and uh, problematic for the people whose lives he affected and we sympathize with that but also for black people who have been handed multiple life sentences this does gives them the the potential of rehabilitation and to Mm -hmm. at some point have some semblance of a life after 25 years doesn't mean that they will be released it means that they're eligible for parole so if they actually have been able to change their life in prison they will have the opportunity to become part of society again which is the, the silver lining in kind of a scenario like that absolutely and then we had Big Brother winner Tyshawn Carter Newman. Probably our biggest celebrity of the season. Definitely our biggest celebrity I of the think season. So, oh, yeah. So. Very cool episode. I a Big Brother fan, um, but had sort of like as Clinton said, he was the winner of sister just a frame this he was the the winner the first place winner of season Big Brother season nine, which yep. is a reality TV show um in Canada. Yep. That's Sorry. what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, I was getting there. I just wanted to explain that I don't have a TV, so I've been speeding so long. But, uh-huh. yeah, my, my favorite reality show, he won. Um, and I basically went to an event, met his manager, and was able to get him on the show. Um, definitely our most prolific person. Um, but, again, being Ontario-based, we always want to link it to Nova Scotia. He's worked with um, Save Me, Save We, who we then more recently had on the show. So those two episodes are linked together. So if you want to learn about Save Me, Save We episode, we're going to get to that with Junior Malaku. But the episode that would precede that, that you should also listen to, would be episode number 20 with Tasha. Absolutely. And the one thing about him is that he has uh, decided to use some of his celebrity status 
that is to talk, talk about mental health advocacy mm-hmm. and stuff like that to to normalize and spread the word regarding and was that. recently on amazing race canada but i think that they've father. already yeah. lost i haven't yeah i hadn't i haven't seen him share any more episodes and i was like oh are we done well, it's hard to win. And so the fact that he won to begin with was a big deal. He's also been very, very busy. He just spent like the summer in Paris. Like I follow his Instagram. And so he's been bebopping all around, but he does do a lot of mental health advocacy. So definitely check him out. Absolutely. So for episode 21, we're two thirds of the way through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can see by the thumbnail, we were sitting here at this it's exact same, same table. So we always love to do in person mm-hmm. episodes together for obvious reasons whenever we can. And uh, yeah, so while I was in Toronto visiting with my family back in June, we decided to do an episode of, you know, the Toronto versus Moncton, aka rural life versus a uh, big city okay. life episode, in which we talked about the pros and cons of uh living in a big city versus a small city and we covered things like uh jobs mental health opportunity whether you're a family or single and stuff like that do you say um, the cost because also living cost cost of living economy. and uh, the change in cost of living uh, mm-hmm. in, in rural areas like new brunswick because of the pandemic and stuff like that uh if i remember correctly episode was a like a, a quick one so very easy to go back and listen to um and then give us your opinion as well depending on where you're from was it quick that was only like 30 or 45 i don't know but uh certainly insightful and uh you know the jury is never going to be completely out because different people have different needs at different points in their life mm-hmm. but certainly a really interesting episode if you are living in a well you're obviously you're either living in a city rural area or town if you're, um, living. If you're considering changing what you are doing with your life uh, definitely listen to this episode especially if you're a person of color uh to get some insights on the pros and cons of both kinds of lifestyles or feel free to reach out to the two of us because we've lived in both places absolutely lots of places anyone who doesn't know you know i'm a born and raised toronto native now living in new brunswick and hillary was a born and raised new brunswick native living in toronto so that's another reason i think we're able to bring a lot of interesting perspectives to the show uh not just this episode but everything we do yeah and uh check that one out and then Another rapper, musician, who had some spicy takes about music, New Brunswick. <laughs> yeah, so Yonkers to New Brunswick uh, for episode 22. We were happy to interview uh, Michael, Michael Earl, a.k.a. He now just goes by the rap name Fox. So I might update the website there. Uh, who's but, who's done who's done some music with Clinton now? You can go and listen yeah, yeah. to my business partner, my friend, the person beside me, spitting some mad bars. And I just wasn't aware of your career before, so I was thoroughly impressed. Anyone who knows me at all knows that I am not the guy that <laughs> talks about myself too much in detail. I'm very much of a listener and a learner, and I like to give other people the opportunity to speak. Of course, I mean, I'm on a podcast and we speak here. But yeah, I've done a lot of really interesting things in my life. I was a rapper for a very long time. I put out a lot of music, a lot of cool things happening. But yeah, uh, Michael, Michael, Mike here, uh, Got me out of the... Out of hiatus. Hiatus. I've been using that word a lot today. Yeah, so we dropped some new tracks. You can check that out on Spotify if you go find Fox, F-O-X-X. But Fox had a lot of interesting perspectives as well between living in a city like New York City uh, and New Brunswick. And he actually had a really positive outlook on it all about the opportunities of living in Canada how much funding there is available for arts and music how it's a nicer place people talk more they're friendlier 
uh, and stuff like that. And I think he was talking about just a Canadian experience altogether. But he is a super dedicated artist who I think has put out close to 270 tracks mm -hmm. in the past three years, has shot over 70 music videos, just released his probably uh, best album to date called Still Fox uh, on August 16th on his birthday. It's 16 mm -hmm. or 17 tracks of really, really good quality music. Check out the episode to learn a little bit about him and then go check out and follow him on streaming platforms as well. Yeah. Um, because he's a great individual doing a lot of great stuff yeah and collaborating with a lot of other amazing new brunswickers too 180 mm -hmm. like so many people the list is ever growing um so super cool and i think there's a listening party yeah there was there was a there was, there was a, a listening party that i attended it was great um if you want to be inspired if you think your work ethic is lacking and you <laughs> want to see what people what can be done in a day uh listen to our episode with fox um for episode 23, we talked about the Roe versus Wade decision, which mm -hmm. really did shake people all around the world, mm -hmm. uh, as well as um, BIPOC people and the commissioner system. Here, I'll, I'll let you take this one. No, so basically just how the overturning of Roe v. Wade directly impacts Black women and Black people, because white people statistically are more likely to have the money to get to places where there is abortion access. And in Canada, while it something like that would probably never be overturned. It is um, already very limited. There's only one place where you can get an abortion in the Northwest Territories. People in rural areas have a very hard time. Um, and that's why I do some of the work that I do with community health centers and getting that information out there and advocating for things like that. And then we also talked about Robert Tay Burroughs stepping down from his position, assisting Manju Varma around her work as commissioner of systemic racism, because he was able to highlight in an article with CBC that they were never going to be able to meet the needs of at least the indigenous communities in the way that they suggested that they would. And also spilled some tea about like what Blaine Higgs was allowing to be expressed in the report and not. Um, again, things that we knew, things that we cited, things that we said on a previous podcast, things that we had said in the episode about Manju Varma, saying that she didn't have time for complaints. So just more evidence that this report is going to be a sham. Yeah. That was the episode. If you are interested, so again, reminder, yeah, follow us on uh, YouTube, like and subscribe, all our streaming platforms, social media to get updates. We were dropping different kinds of content on our different social media channels, so it's never a bad idea to follow us everywhere. And uh, But if you want to hear an episode, a very controversial episode, if that's your thing, uh, make sure you listen to this episode. And make sure to subscribe just because, like, the minute that report's out, y'all know I'm doing it in depth play-by-play -play live reading of each page and why is this probably BS. So I just expect that for season two, if the report ever gets released. Mm, touche. Imagine it didn't. I imagine Manju steps down next. <laughs> if that happens, you heard it here first. What did you premonition? There was something that you said, and there's been several instances where you're like, I, I'm the one who said this would happen. I think it was around the commission. Was it around that topic? I don't know. I, I have prophesied, and it's all documented. I've prophesied many things in the past that have come to fruition. And uh, the one I know the one we talked about this week was Trump and his social media yes. network that everyone thought was going to tank. And I was like, nah, this is going to take off. Yeah. He's getting banned from all these other things. People are going to leave those, and all his supporters are going to go over there where he's going to be able to keep spitting his rhetoric. So why ban him from Twitter to begin with? He's just going to create We it. were trying to find out what I think web, like what web place would be willing to hold his app or whatever. But in any way, it's always going to be one. It's thriving. Money, right? oh, nipple, nipple shot. 
It's his, we're, not mine. So I guess we're still good to. Yeah, we're good. This YouTube will probably not restrict this video. No, but it sure had a problem with the photo we had with Alicia McManus. <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, we the photo we chose for Alicia McManus got banned by YouTube. Uh, we had to change it. Uh, yeah, funny, interesting okay. tidbit of information there. I'll let you take this one as well. Sure. Uh, so we had on for our 22nd, 23rd, oh, 24th episode, Olam Kowal, a friend of mine um, who I've known for several years, who while I was home and we had recorded some of those in-person episodes, explained to me that they were doing a multicultural market um, every last Saturday once a month once a once a month um at the Lions Club on Mark Street um and so we were able to talk to him about his experience of being black and going to Moncton High and McNaughton um his relationship with his dad different endeavors that he's done what his life has been like and why this market was important and some of the work that he had done um being a Black Lives Matter activist and helping with um some of the demonstration Marches, marches. You have to organize the Black Lives yes. Matter marches, the, the two yeah. ones that took place in Moncton, New Brunswick. Yeah, some of that work. Rose got a, has had a, he's a young man and he's had a really interesting life. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really interesting to hear his stories from living in like South America and traveling and everything like that. But yeah, like yeah. It, he's one of the people that made the, the Black Lives Matter marches in Moncton take place. So he deserves to be yeah. to listened to as well and especially followed on what he's doing nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Took a took a cab all the way to one of the marches outside of town on his birthday. That's commitment. Real yeah, he dedication. went down to Fredericton to mm. attend a march on his birthday. Yes. And, uh, yeah, props to him. Absolutely. Major kudos. All right. <laughs> Another episode with someone that we ended up having on twice. Yeah. Um, we talked about um Justin Trudeau apologizing for the racism that occurred to the number two battalion way back in war times i never know i believe it's world where i i don't know i, think I don't it's world know. War um but some of the people in that battalion are ancestors of and related to jennifer dow um jennifer being related to mary louise and tondue mccarthy who we reference often as black historians and people in the community doing great work um so she was able to come on and educate both of us and enlighten both of us on the importance of the battalion, the importance of the apology, but also the fact that it was very Nova Scotian focused and some of maybe why some New Brunswickers felt there should have been a little bit more to the apology highlighting all of the Black soldiers' work. And you had also gone to a comedy show that was... Yeah, so global uh, Brampton-born Canadian-based comedic superstar Russell Peters... Uh, did a show in Moncton, which was really funny. I've always been a fan of him for decades. This show was slightly problematic, not so much as in the Dave Chappelle way, way <laughs> but he was saying some things that, uh, you know, probably don't fly very well in 2022. Of course, that's a whole other episode, which yeah. I think we talked about in the, in the Dave Chappelle episode about comedy. But, uh, you know, Russell Peters is from Toronto, merely multicultural city. He always loves to bring up the fact that he grew up around a bunch of black people, which I guess gives him in mm-hmm. his mind the uh, allowance to say the n-word um so in Moncton New Brunswick during the show of like 99% white people he was making a bunch of jokes in which he dropped the n-bomb uh and 
It wasn't that funny. I, I don't even think the crowd thought it was very funny. I think he saw the crowd's reaction because he made a face and he stopped started talking about if you're offended, fuck you, blah, 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 blah. And the episode was just about like, can he, uh, can an East Indian person drop the N-word? Now, being back in Toronto for the past five days and meeting up with some of my old friends, I actually talked to one of them about it. And I did realize that in Toronto, a lot of people use the N-word among all cultures. Black culture, uh, Black music it has been exported around the world, but even more so in Toronto. In Toronto, you have people of all kinds of cultures uh, that have adopted this hip hop mentality. Um, and while I still don't agree that I don't think he should have said it, being from Toronto, maybe he doesn't understand the demographics of the rest of Canada and how backwards and behind and racist they really are. And uh, yeah, it was shocking and controversial. Uh, I've, wow. I, I think a lot of people use that that word here in Toronto, to be honest with you. Not in a hateful way, but in a pretty place like New Brunswick, it's... Yeah. Not good. Yeah, he so. is doing a free street performance for Just for Laughs um, Comedy Fest. And so I will go, since it's free, just to see if he makes the same joke. So we will have Hillary as a correspondent on scene for Russell Peters' comedy thing, just to see if he does it again and if it goes better here. Because it might. I will tell you one thing. I, th I know that this episode, like like many shows, I know he's recording for Netflix, and I want to see if that joke makes it to the Netflix version. And I, you know, I highly doubt it will, unless the people mm -hmm. at Netflix are really obsessed with controversy and they know that allowing controversy. They let Dave do Dave's thing. Exactly. So let's let's we're gonna learn about who the people at Netflix really are if they let an East Indian Russell Peters uh, say the word nigger on uh, a Netflix. We've said, we said that word all the time. Or sometimes. I, I go back and forth between N-word and you have said it on the show more a few times as well. And controversy as well. We're allowed to. Um, although many Black people think that the word should be erased from the English language. No one should say it. Black people shouldn't say it. And again, black people are allowed to have a million different opinions. And Hillary doesn't like it at all. I say I've said it maybe in like context, and I've jokingly said it, but like my 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 main feeling would be let's not ever say it again. Yep, I yeah. definitely say it a lot less in my older years. Uh, of course, we also have talked about the fact that it is very popular. Oh, you had suggested. Okay, I might write about this in a future blog. So I'm going to stop talking about it. You know, oh, you yeah, know what I'm talking the thing, about. The thing, the, on, yeah, the thing yeah. about the stuff. The thing about the stuff and the thing. Yeah. The next guest that we have <laughs> is the other photographer. Oh, another great. All our guests are great. But yeah. for some episodes, they're just a nice, warm feeling, right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So Robin Gessie and Gislain, um from Rwanda, our first Rwandan guest. We had to learn a lot about that yeah, country. Really interesting. Um, a young man doing a lot and has partnered with the Canon Futures Project. So he's being featured by Canon, sponsored by them, has been able to come to Toronto um, for some photography workshops and stuff since um, our episode. Um, just an all-around, like, amazing, great guy with some great stories. And like I said, would be amazing if listeners listen to the Gary episode. And then this episode to see how, like, two Black men from two different places do the same medium in completely different ways um, and are inspired by such different things. Um, but lovely soft-spoken perfect podcast voice great guy yeah if you are a visual person this was probably one of our most visually interesting yes. episodes on youtube because he just took <laughs> over the screen and he showed us he showed us a bunch of his beautiful photography as well as explanations behind yeah. his inspirations and why he did things the way he did yeah. uh if you are someone that watches us on youtube and you haven't seen that episode go back you will really enjoy that one yeah. um so Episode. I didn't realize that you had the title of this episode was the title of this episode on the website because it's not the same as YouTube. 
and it's oh, really I funny. It. Yeah, it's really I funny. It. I like this is one of my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's short and sweet. And actually, I did that because it was showing up as too long on the mm-hmm. website. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's more eye catching, isn't it? Sesame Street should hire people from Sudbury. Because Sesame Street and Sudbury are racist. (laughs) (laughs) If you hadn't heard about it, Sesame Street, it came under fire recently because videos surfaced from multiple different parades and events around the city of Sesame Street characters being incredibly disrespectful and racist (laughs) to Black people. And if you think that we are inaccurate or exaggerating or Mm -hmm. misunderstanding or like didn't see things correctly, watch the episode. We play the the clips. Watch them a few times because it would be really hard for anyone to watch the video clips for five of them, six of them, and be like, there's nothing here. different actors probably or maybe the same actors in different in, in costumes in different cities and different events being really disrespectful to black kids absolutely um so and then, also in Sudbury yeah no also in Sudbury um a young black girl was trying to defend someone who was working and basically this guy was being super racist and yelling and calling her the n-word and then made the stipulation of like the difference between being black and being an N word, mm-hmm. um, which we had a big discussion about that. And then in a similar, something that happened in a similar context that we know of in New Brunswick was that the girl was told that if she were to press charges, charges would also be laid against her. A young boy. Yeah. For being beat, harassed race, yeah, racially. No, I meant the her in Sudbury. Oh, yes. Sorry. Same situation. Um, there was also a gentleman who was advocating for the fact that the English proficiency tests uh, coming out of primarily English-speaking African countries were unfair. Uh, Mm -hmm. People from English-speaking countries outside of Africa did not have to pass an English proficiency test to be able to come to Canadian English universities. However, I believe, is it Nigeria? In Nigeria, a country that is English first, uh, kindergarten, uh, all the way up to high school and on their universities are all in English. Uh, Nigerians have to pay to take an English proficiency test to come to a Canadian university. So that was in the news that this gentleman was speaking out about that and trying to get that changed. Some of the PEI universities and hopefully other ones are looking into that. Um, But it's not it's a form of it's a form of racism. If if you're English speaking African country, why would you have to take an English test? It's a form of racism, but it's also just like, why aren't you looking up what language yeah. African countries speak. Yes. <laughs> like maybe you should figure out that they do speak English there. It's another one of those do better things. Yeah. And again, uh, a very when the Pope came to visit, another Justin Trudeau snub, when the Pope came to visit in Canada, we have some video clips of indigenous leaders just completely dissing Justin Trudeau. It's pretty funny. Just ignoring him, not shaking his hand and like same. <laughs> yeah. I would too. Well, we're getting into recent news here. Yeah. All right. Uh, so as mentioned, uh, episode 28 uh, was about Junior Moako, who uh, was the founder of the Save Me, Save We Foundation mm-hmm. in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's also lived in many different places uh, in, in North so America. So many Very interesting. places and we, of And we heard of him through Tesh. I wanted to make sure I was saying his name right. Yep. You want to talk a little bit about the interview there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, because of Tyshawn basically using some of his mental health advocacy to speak um, with Junior in Nova Scotia. Junior um, outlined how through traveling and basketball, he realized that a lot of people just had poor mental health. It wasn't even about advocacy as much as it was about a learning and understanding and education started by making a shirt that said save me which sparked a lot of conversation and that steamrolled into a whole clothing line but that's also partnered it with 
um, schools and different organizations to allow for that education piece and to be speaking um, to people about what mental health looks like, what good mental health looks like, how you practice mental health um, and how to have everyone to get everyone a better understanding of what good mental health looks like in terms of self-care and all other things. Yeah. It was a great episode. It was a really heartwarming episode. He's also a, was an actor, model, former pro athlete. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, just the story of what happened the first time he wore a shirt that said, save me. I won't, you, you should listen to the episode. Listen to the episode. And and also some good highlights about like um, toxic masculinity and like male mental health, which I think gets overlooked a lot. So very important episode. Especially in Black communities, mm-hmm. uh, more so than ever. A stigma that is changing, thankfully. But uh, yeah, definitely gets overlooked in a major way. Mm-hmm. So that was a really insightful episode yeah. that you should listen to. Recently, oh, we're almost caught up. Almost caught up. This was our first round table. It was episode 29 of season one. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, centered around August 1st, which was the first ever federally recognized Emancipation Day in which we weren't in a pandemic with, where there were restrictions. So we had a number of guests on the show um, to recap all the different Emancipation Day events that we attended. We asked our guests what they attended, how it made them feel, why they think Emancipation Day is important. And honestly, I it was I knew it was going to be insightful, but it was really insightful. The feedback and takeaway I took from this episode was mind-boggling and uh, really good to listen to. I really appreciated hearing like how everybody set up their events. So not only do we have people who participated in events, we had people who had helped like actually organize their events and what it meant to them and what was meaningful. Um, so Sandra Handenbaum and Jennifer Dow, who had already been on the show who I referenced before, um, Mamadou Diallo and Matthew Martin. So Matthew, who does BLM New Brunswick, visited Mamadou's event, but then also held one in St. John. So gave you a, a little bit of a spiel of all over the place. And then you went to an event in Amherst and I emceed one in Whitby. So we really, we tried to cover half of the country yeah. in this round table, but um, I thought I expected it to be maybe more overwhelming to produce. And it was honestly so much fun. And then another one of those episodes where we stayed on and talked afterwards for so long. And it was so good to just connect with other black people in the community virtually. Um, and it is something we want to continue to do. It's really too bad we hit the stop button on the recording we had a whole of this episode, episode because afterwards yeah. we all stayed on and we talked for another half hour to 40 minutes and that would have been an episode in itself, which might be a future episode, so I won't tell you what it was. Yeah, about. they gave us episode ideas, so we will thank them for those and we will be producing them, um, which is always very helpful. <sighs> Should we take a, take a breath here? We can we take a breath the... because I know what episode's next. It's our most recent episode. You can actually, you can actually, we don't have to take a real breath, it's but here a, we are, 30 episodes in. And it's our biggest episode. Yeah. The Fair and Family Farms episode has a like between part one and part two on YouTube for over 400 views. Oh, like 600. Probably. Probably. The support that this family like has of their community of people from probably Scarborough, Jamaica, Ontario, all over the place is massive. The things that we heard in that episode, I think were like insightful and enlightening and heartwarming and simultaneously like devastating. Um, and I've been able to speak with her, with Karen, um, after the fact about how like, it's so hard, but it's so important to continue to push forward so that there can be other black farmers in New Brunswick because the shtick of the episode is they are the 
only black farmers that we're aware of in the entire province. And they're doing amazing work. And they've got the only real authentic goat <laughs> in the whole province. So if you're looking for goat, go there. Yeah. Go find the Farron Family Farms. If you're watching farm. us on YouTube even today, I mean, look at this beautiful family. Like first generation um, <clears throat> Jamaican immigrants, who I believe moved here pretty youngish, respectively, who lived in different places in Canada. And during the pandemic, you know, the father always had a dream of having a farm. Moved to New Brunswick, Centerville, middle of nowhere, to a 137-acre farm in which they have goats and uh, chickens, sheep, I believe, uh, horses and cows and they are doing it they're they're yeah. making their sustainable fresh meats with no hormones and organics and their story of just struggle and resilience and trying to find support in the community and racism and racism at their schools but their their passion to fight through it and the way the mom was not taking it and how she fought the schools to make sure that kids that were racially abusing her her children were were held accountable and mm -hmm. stuff like that like this episode has it all uh this family is beautiful this was our easiest episode to record we barely um, spoke they, they could have their own podcast i think because they just answered all our questions without us asking them yeah and uh yeah this is a real story of resilience in new brunswick um people moving to a place that had not monked in their saint john that had literally never seen black people people in communities that they'd never even been to moncton or town yeah they've never they'd never seen melanin um a really really eye-opening episode uh thankfully our biggest episode of the season um before our send-off and um if you only started listening during this episode please go back because uh, I, I i don't think there's one best episode that we did but um this was a really great one it was a really great one and i think that all of our guests have really shown the resiliency of what it's like to be black people in minority settings been East Coast ones, especially with a lot of the racism that they're facing, I think, and like a lack of um, big overarching community, but how they're all creating that community space for themselves is, I think, what the overarching thing has been that these, I don't know, 15 episodes worth of guests, but like 20 different guests have really highlighted for us. Um, everyone's working really, really hard for the thing that they care about. And all we seem to really care about collectively is moving that needle forward, making safer spaces for ourselves, having a sense of community. Um, and I'm very proud of all the work that we've done to highlight all the work that they've done. Yeah. So that's it, everyone. Season one. Uh, this has been really interesting for us to do a recap uh, of all the amazing things we've learned, amazing guests we've mm -hmm. had, amazing topic, not amazing, uh, engaging topics we've covered mm -hmm. over the past seven months. It's amazing that we've been doing this seven months. As you can imagine, putting together a weekly podcast is a lot of work. We release a video, audio versions on multiple streaming sites while maintaining a website and keeping our social media channels up to date. Um, while also living our lives. Yeah, this is by <laughs> no means our full-time job. And there's no source of revenue. There's no revenue coming. We do this for the passion. Uh, we both feel very passionate about um, sharing unheard stories uh, in the Atlantic provinces. You know, people of color, uh, especially black people and all people of color, do not get a voice in the media. They do not get to be heard unless it's a story of horrible violent crimes that had happened or maybe just a little fluff piece about someone doing yeah. a business which is important but it's not the stories you don't you don't you just hear the story of what the person is doing you don't hear the backstory of the, the trials and tribulations uh, another reason Hillary and I do this is because we want to 
exposed to people who may not have been exposed to Black culture. That Black people can't be put into any sort of one category or box, that we're all different, different political views, different views on the, mm-hmm. and like there's different views on anything, yeah. we have different views on we politics, views. sports, we definitely have different views, um, and a lot of similar views. One thing we like to repeat is, you know, Black people are as diverse as they come from countries all over the world. Um, we get brought, we, we come to North America and we're called black, but in these other countries, black people don't necessarily think of themselves as black. They think of themselves as the country they're from. Mm-hmm. Nigerian, Somalian, Dominican, oh, stuff wow. like that. Just like a white person might think of themselves as Finnish or Swedish, or I'm not going to call Italian people white, but um, Danish and, and stuff like that. That's, that's the jury's out on that for sure. But we're as diverse as they come. And you look like you're in deep thought right now. Uh, we're as diverse as they come, and we want to expose that. Um, we are taking a six-week break. To We're so proud of all the work we've done. And we're taking a little break to come back bigger and better and stronger and just on a whole other level. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this recap. Um, Thank you if you're still here, because we have no concept of how long this episode's been. And I think it maybe is close to like an hour and a half now. So thank you if you've stuck around this long. Thank you if you've watched any of the episodes before. Thank you if you go back and listen to any of them. And if you don't, that's fine. We'll see you in six weeks with new content. We're still going to be around. You're still going to see us posting content online, recaps of uh, seasons, teasers, and stuff like that. Uh, Hillary on TikTok is slaying it, killing it, and stuff like that. Uh, But we hope you've enjoyed this recap. Uh, We hope you take the time to look through our content on our website and, you know, show support, like, comment, follow us. Um, help us get the word out. Sharing, sharing is the number one. I mean, thing you've you made do. it to the end, and you want to help us with what we're doing. We are looking for a contributor or a volunteer, and or essentially, do you want to help us make it? Do you want to help us like find content? Do you want to write? We we're open to ideas. We're open to people. Yep, yeah, and uh, shoot us an email. Also on our blogs, you know, there's a buy us a coffee option if you want to fund what we're doing. Um, obviously this stuff isn't free for us. We don't make any money for it, but we have a GoFundMe if you want to support that way as well. Um, and thank you to everyone who's contributed so far. Thank you so much to our contributors. None of that money goes into our own pockets. Um, it all goes to work towards the website and then the costs affiliated with recording and producing and hosting the website and stuff like that. Um, a bit of marketing, so marketing on social media and stuff yeah. like that. Well, I think that is it from That's my... Close friend and business yes, partner, you. Hilary LeBlanc, uh, here in Toronto. We're going back to New Brunswick tomorrow, my wife and I. And we hope you've enjoyed this. Yeah. 30, 30 plus 30 hours, 30 over, what? Words? Over 30 hours of content summarized in this hour and a half, is what I was trying to say. Anyway, bye. Peace.